You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome back to the NIL Hotline, Galen Clavio, Olivia Clavio, part of the Back Home Network. Good to be talking with you folks once again as we are into week three of the podcast, and, and there's no end in sight, which is a good thing, as NIL just continues to roll. Olivia, good to see you again. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much. Yeah, we've seen a lot of interesting deals yeah. come through the last uh, last week. Yeah, I mean, as, you know, there's so many different things to talk about. First of all, I really appreciate everybody that's reached out to me and said, hey, I love the podcast. It's great. It's timely. It's quick to listen to. That's what we've been trying to do. And for those of you who are listening for the first time, the goal of the NIL hotline is to try to take all the different things that make NIL interesting and different and, and unique about you know college sports and, and business and, and wrap them all into one thing and keep the episode short, keep them directed and try to hit a bunch of different areas. So some days we're going to talk NIL strategy. Some days we're going to talk about what's going on in the space in terms of, of new ideas. Some days we're going to talk about philosophical things. We did that a little bit last week in terms of value propositions. And then some days we just want to talk about the NIL deals that are out there right now because there's some really interesting ones and trying to keep track of what's going on across the country can be difficult even for those of us who are plugged in and are paying attention on a regular basis. Uh, there's a lot of resources out there. One of the best resources is on Three's NIL deal tracker, which pretty much... I'm not going to say quite in real time, but as soon as it gets seen on social media, it gets posted. There's normally a source that tells you what the deal was. There's also kind of estimates of what the brand valuation of that individual athlete is. And it's interesting, Olivia, first of all, like there was some news that happened this week where Texas's head coach, uh, you know, talked about how Arch Manning, the, the scion of the Manning family, who's not starting this year at quarterback for Texas, uh, but is but is on the Texas roster, claimed, well, you know, we didn't have to spend any NIL money uh, on Arch Manning, which, A, that's like saying, well, you know, this billionaire's kid, well, we didn't have to use any scholarship money to get him into school. It's like, well, <laughs> I would hope not. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that's really necessary. But this caught your eye, obviously, uh, for a couple of reasons. What what was it that draw, drew your attention to the Manning thing in particular? Right, well, I thought it was interesting because – they were attaching the name, image, and likeness deal to actually playing first and becoming starting quarterback. And I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That's not necessarily an option when your family is not named Manning. Right. Um, so there's, but I, I thought it was interesting because Archie Manning came out and said basically that he wasn't going to take any money until he had hit this certain position. And I think that that's, an ill-advised position, <laughs> um, you know, mostly just because one, um, again, I know they're they're not looking for money per se, but it's the building of the brand, and I think it's a really old-fashioned attitude to have nowadays. You can still have an nil deal without attaching necessarily a lot of money to it. There's something about helping build up your audience, build up your brand, and so. I, I think that unless your family is well-known and famous like this, that is really not a position I would advise college athletes to take. This, well, and, and 
you know, you'll invariably when something like this pops up, you'll be like, see, this guy, no, he gets it. He's, he's doing things for the right reasons. It's like, no, uh, you know, there's, there's clearly a long game being played where the assumption would be, okay, this is Arch Manning, this, the, you know, the, the nephew of Peyton and uh, Eli Manning, the grandson of Archie Manning, all three were starting quarterbacks for, you know, double digit years each in the NFL. The pedigree's there. And it's it's kind of like Clay Matthews, you know, coming into the NFL, what, like 15 years ago or whatever it was, might be longer than that. There's a long game being played there. Arch Manning right now, in terms of NIL valuation, if you look at on threes, like projected valuation, like how much do we think these people would be work, uh, worth if you rank them on the open market? Arch Manning is first in college football at almost $4 million of estimated valuation. And that might be conservative if you really went out and tried to get as much of that money as possible. Caleb Williams of USC is second. Um, Travis Hunter's third. The thing to keep in mind, I think, is with Arch Manning, I I do believe there's some image cultivation being done here because he didn't look that great in the spring game. If you watched the throws, the throws were not good, threw some interceptions. He's clearly not ready to be a starting quarterback. And I think there's some protectionism being built in here in terms of we don't want Arch Manning being perceived as making money off his name we want him perceived as making money off of his football abilities and those are not quite there and earning a bunch of money and not actually looking like you earn it is a great way to turn people off from you as a brand that is true and 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 so i think it's a little different here than for a less heralded player coming into the collegiate environment who does command a lot of money and valuation they should absolutely take the money. This is a different situation. I think it's it's a one of one, and I think it's dangerous for people who look at this and say, well, this is how it should be done. You should accomplish something before you earn money. That, A, it, it unfairly eliminates what you've already accomplished as a prospect, getting to the point where you were valued at that level, but also, B, I think in Arch Manning's case, there, there's clearly some this is almost like a PR move as opposed to a financial move and I think that that's kind of intriguing in and of itself it definitely is and I do agree with your points there if he doesn't look ready to start and clearly he's not going to start in fact I don't even think he's second in line I think right now he's he's third string from the reports that I've read um, that that is it's definitely going to try to protect his persona moving forward and again he doesn't need to have that deal per se, people already know who he is. And that's a little bit different, I think, than what we're seeing from other college athletes. Now you do say, say it said in, in you know your comments there, well, let them accomplish something. And I think we have seen that, especially on the women's side. And that's been the other big news from this week is tracking LSU as it has suddenly become a women's NIL powerhouse. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's a lot going on there because right? obviously you've got Haley Von Liff, who goes down to LSU. I don't think I saw the actual deal amount on that. But you know, the the other big news that flew a little bit under the radar was the news that, of course, you know, you you've got Livy Dunn, the the mm-hmm. gymnast, who's got an NIL valuation almost as big as Arch Manning. Her NIL valuation is three point five million, according to On Three, signed an NIL deal deal with Sports Illustrated and is going to be in the SI Swimsuit Edition. They have have a video already made. They have images. Um, This is a a completely different side of this, and it's actually kind of the flip side of what we were just talking about, where Arch Manning does not need to worry about establishing 
a brand because his brand was already established. It is the Manning brand. He is plugging into that and is aiming to in- increase its brand value through his own rights. Oli- Olivia Dunn is her own brand. She has created this brand herself. And so here we have kind of a unique thing where I would actually argue that connecting with SI is going to help SI significantly more than it helps Livy Dunn. SI, you want to talk about a distressed property. Like SI just laid off a, a huge number of employees, writers, editors. Like it was just a culling. And that's been the cycle with, with, with Sports Illustrated really for the last 10, 15 years. The, the swimsuit edition is kind of the last thing that people still focus on regularly. I mean, certainly SI still has good stories that come out occasionally, but to get Livy Dunn, who is a singular phenomenon right now in women's sports, to be able to connect with them, it's it's obviously a great thing for them in terms of attention. For Livy Dunn, the fact that there's she's getting paid for this and it only essentially just enhances the branding that she's got as a gymnast. Uh, you know, it's interesting because you know this, obviously, as someone who was a gymnast uh, at uh, at the amateur level, the, you know, the, the shelf life of a nationally known gymnast, an Olympic gymnast, is really short. And, really short. you know, it, it is interesting that we've seen some gymnasts maintain their position in the media landscape, but it's essentially doing things that don't have anything to do do with gymnastics once they are done with the sport. This is essentially a transitional point for Livy Dunn because as a college gymnast, there's not a whole lot of runway left in terms of what you're going to do specifically in your sport. Uh, Agree. And of course you mentioned I was a gymnast and, and besides college basketball, this is probably the number one call, you know, collegiate sport that I follow. And as soon as NIL came into the picture, I knew that gymnastics was going to take front stage. And I think it's only going to get bigger. And with the Olympics next year, I think what you're going to find is a lot of cross deals with brands and Olympians. Now, not just in gymnastics, but in especially other sports that don't necessarily have the same impact, I think, as, you know, men's football and basketball. So one, that's going to explode. And we'll definitely talk about that later on. But especially for gymnastics, yes, the shelf life is really, really short. And in my opinion, and this is a whole nother podcast, uh, collegiate gymnastics needs a major overhaul in terms of scoring. But image wise, I do think that NIL has helped take those Olympic gymnasts and let them actually compete in college because previously you just toiled away at the elite level. And when you were done with the Olympics, you were done. And you had to be famous enough to have some sort of brand sponsorship to keep things going. So Simone Biles, Ali Raisman. Shannon Johnson. All all of these gymnasts, their shelf life was over as soon as the Olympics was over. Collegiate's great because not only can you compete, but now you see a lot of these Olympic-level athletes taking a gap year and they're going to come back. So they're only going to increase their brand. But especially with Libby Dunn, yes, she has definitely just in, increased the visibility of gymnastics just nationally. But she has done it right. She started building her brand and it took off right when this took off. It was fantastic timing. But you'll see right now she is taking that level of fame and planning for the future, which is what I really do expect a lot of these athletes to do as their collegiate 
careers start to come to an end, what brand deals are they going to um, take on, right, to to keep themselves moving past that point of collegiate athletics? So I have three things to say on this front. A, if this sounds foreign to you, if you're listening to this, I think to some degree you have to stop thinking of athletes in the old school traditional way of well, these are these are kids who are being given opportunities to do things at the college level. No, like th- this is there's a cultivation process here where athletes at this level are really entertainers who do something that involves physical activity. And that is not to downplay the physical activity, but you're you're well, all we're talking about on this podcast is market value and brand value and and you know being able to appeal to multiple different groups of people. And so you, much like a young actor who is already in the business and is trying to plan what projects they're doing and how they are going to appear and and what they're going to be doing to try to burnish their reputation both inside the industry and among the public, that is essentially what a lot of these athletes are doing. Now they come in, especially in the Olympic sports, and this gets my second point, with a platform already because you have to be at a very elite level to participate at the Olympic stage of things, or even in the, the the national championship stage of things with these Olympic sports or these these sports that generally don't generate a lot of revenue outside of the Olympics. And the collegiate level in the United States is fascinating because it is the de facto professional league for most of these sports in the United States. There is no, like, uh, there's no important professional gymnastics league in the united states there's no important there was one but it was it became well, defunct well, pretty fast. <laughs> well and, and you know and you go down the list swimming and diving no track and field no, no. Uh, even uh, you know even sports that you would think well there are professional leagues lacrosse like very few people watch professional lacrosse very few people watch professional field hockey the leagues exist but they're just not important to the level that college versions of those sports are and you know part of the reason for that is there's so much money in college athletics the facilities are amazing the the coaching's oftentimes amazing i mean you've got olympic coaches who coach at colleges that's their day job and then they go coach uh, in the olympics so you've got this weird dynamic that really doesn't exist in other countries where you're able to pair your own brand value with what is essentially the de facto professional sport and the schools within the professional sport known as college athletics. We've seen, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago with women's basketball where women's college basketball's overall valuation to the public is far greater than the professional game. Even though the professional game has been around for at this point, 25 years, because it's not going by itself. It is established in concert with the larger brand values of the universities. And this is where those who were arguing that athletes didn't have any brand value, that it was all related to the colleges and universities they were playing at, had a small point. But what we're seeing is that elite athletes do have that brand value that they mm-hmm. can connect. And it's not just in these sports. I mean, uh, you know, there was a deal that was announced, I think it was a couple of days ago, uh, Sam Bennett, who was the, the leading amateur I believe in in the Masters. Play, he plays golf at Texas A and M. Signs a deal with T-Mobile, and and he's got it on his Instagram. And you know this is something that 
there's there's a lot of rules around this with amateur golf versus amateur college athletics and golf is like the one sport really that you could look at where amateurism is still like fully in the mix at least as far as how it plays in with playing in the masters or playing in the u.s open but this is an example of someone who can now leverage some great success as an amateur in quotes into something where they're still technically in the eyes of the college or university they're at an amateur but they're able to earn money because of the rules that apply specifically to that class of amateurs it's a really fascinating space and i think again you're not going to see it with every athlete at that level but you will see it with some of the elite swimmers and divers with some of the elite track and field athletes and certainly with some of the elite gymnasts that are out there because there is clearly a marketplace sometimes it's purely a social media marketplace but clearly with this livy dunn thing there's more to it than just that that she can capitalize on correct absolutely and again we're moving into the olympic cycle and that's going to i think start to take front and center stage here within the next six months the th- and there's one thing i want to note is that um so first of all the um to go back to the sam bennett thing real quick like so his his on three valuation for nil is ninety one thousand dollars. if he had won the money that he would have placed they would have won for his place in the Masters. He would have won $261,000, but he wasn't allowed to because he's an amateur. That's the, that's the way he got into um, into the the, the, the the tournament. But now to be able to earn money based upon that is going to be part of this model. And it's interesting because like there's still people out there that think the Olympics are amateur athletics. They ditched that model decades ago. That they they used to be. There was this weird dance that happened. You'll remember this in finger skating in like the 80s where you'd have professional figure skaters who would do professional figure skating tours and then they would have to reclassify as amateurs and then go skate in the olympics um and then they'd have to they'd go back after that and they'd reclassify as professionals the olympics were like you know that didn't make any sense let's go to a more of a a, you know a pay model uh, a brand uh you know association model and that has worked out just fine it is interesting now though that i think a lot of these college athletes are going to be able to leverage olympic success for more nil deals based upon what they're doing in college and again maintain and maybe even extend their relationship with the college which is ultimately going to help the brand value of the college athletic department and program that they are associated with that to me is one of those fascinating like this actually is helping both sides or really all three if you want to count the sponsor as opposed to the perception that it's just helping the athlete well absolutely i think Again, I'm going to focus on gymnastics. Suni Lee, I mean, she won the all-around, which is the crowning, you know, um, medal to win in gymnastics. She won the Olympic all-around, and she went to Auburn, which previously in gymnastics was not really what I would consider any kind of gymnastics powerhouse. And her being able to go to Auburn definitely lifted Auburn's space in gymnastics. Now, she's left to go and pursue another Olympic gold, but the effect of her going and being able to bring her brand, I mean, she showed up in all sorts of different, um, you know, programs for Auburn. I think that definitely raised Auburn's women's sports profile. And that is what I expect to see after the Olympics. I expect to see a lot of these universities um, reaching out to athletes to get them to come since now they're allowed to. Right. They're allowed to have those deals. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting 
because I think we're going to continue to see more itinerations of this. And the one the one area that and we'll we'll close because we're at our twenty minute mark here that I'm going to be really interested in is international athletes as it relates to Olympic success in their countries playing or performing those sports for colleges and universities in the U.S. and being able to figure out ways to leverage that in the U.S. for NIL dollars. Because I think the idea that American companies and American fans are only going to root for American athletes is an outdated model of thinking. I think there's a lot of revenue potential and a lot of brand potential for both sides there that we're still in the very beginning stages of exploring. It's going to be fascinating. Agree, agree. Anyway, that'll wrap up the NIL hotline. We really appreciate you folks joining us. If you've got comments or questions, uh, right now the best way is to hit me up on my Twitter, at Dr. GC. Uh, we, will, we actually have a Twitter account. We're going to launch that uh, in early May. You'll be able to reach us directly there. We're going to start getting some guests on in the month of May and beyond as we start to continue to delve into this space a little bit more there's so many stories there's so much stuff going on uh olivia looking forward to it thank you for joining me yeah thank you so much absolutely and thanks to all you folks for listening be sure to check out the rest of the shows on the back home network for olivia i'm galen this is the nil hotline we'll catch you on the flip side so long everybody